What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net, where you can get all your show reviews, concert photos, and the latest going on and happenings in the rock and metal world. And with me, as always, is Daniel Terry, who's in the midst of uh, what I can be best guessed as uh, sinus sinuses, something like that. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not quite an infection. I don't like want to die, but I'm mildly inconvenienced and my lack of being able to breathe. But, yeah, I don't have any of the, like, uh, head pressure. That'll be tomorrow, I'm sure. Well, you know, it's right before a major holiday, so why the fuck not? Yeah, I got a lot of work to do tomorrow. It's it's going to be fantastic, really. Yep. And uh, speaking of a lot of work, this episode's guest uh, didn't really require a whole lot of work on my end because uh, it's Aaron Gillespie of The Almost and Under Oath. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how I feel. <laughs> how i feel about this one it uh it's i mean it literally is like the most the best way i can really describe it is just a stream of conscious for like 45 minutes and maybe one or two real questions being asked throughout the whole thing i don't know if that's good or bad i i also want to know how far target is away from dude's house because uh you mean costco oh did he say costco i couldn't remember if he said costco or target yeah he's going to costco yeah, it was just funny to me that, like, he's like, yeah, I'm on, I'm on my way to Costco. It's like 10 minutes from my house, and then you guys talk for an hour, and I don't hear anything like he's walking. Like, I, I guess I'm assuming he just got to where he was going and parked, finished the conversation, and then went in. Because I definitely didn't hear any groceries being scanned. I think you can, I, I think they're definitely, because I was kind of aware of that, because I've had people, like, if you go back and listen to the Jay Pepito uh, that's how we started talking about Wawa because he went to Wawa. Um, you can right. hear him shopping real quickly in the background. Um, I do think you can hear like shopping carts and so forth, but because it was funny, like I was thinking about like how I, I just don't have the. I don't know if capacity is the word I want to use, but I just don't have the the wherewithal to like have a conversation like that in public. But I guess like you know you got to do interviews where you can do your interviews and still kind of go about your daily life. So I mean, fuck it, whatever, who cares? But it's still just kind of weird to think of like. Oh, there's some guy doing something, and then if you were to be like, "What do you think you're like being interviewed or something?" You're like, and it's like, absolutely, I, I, I actually am being interviewed right now. <laughs> Currently, I, I am doing a legitimate interview. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know it was a little all over the place, but at the same time, I mean, Aaron's been on so many podcasts in the past couple of months. You know, more. I think I think the idea was for him to promote the new almost release, but every time. Every time he gets on a podcast, he's uh, very uh, just kind of chill. Like, hey, what do you what do you guys want to talk about? And you know, for us, that's kind of like, oh, cool. We're just gonna have a conversation. There's no pressure. It's no. There's no weirdness. No. Uh, it was really kind of funny. Like, you know, sometimes we talk about how like you'll do these, and then it it just feels like uh, that scene in Step Brothers where you're like, did we just become best friends? <laughs> yeah, I like too at the beginning. He's like, yeah, just don't ask me like a hundred questions. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, I definitely did not. <laughs> well, that's got to get old too. I mean, if you're doing like press cycle, and I, you know, I've never done press cycle, you know, as a person being interviewed, but as an interviewer, I know it can be a little, uh, a little intimidating. Where you might be sitting there in an afternoon and do four, you know, take four or five phone calls, and a lot of it, you know, none of the people calling know what you just talked to the other person about. <laughs> you know, really, it's true. So uh, I got to give him mad props for having a different interview than you know, say the interview on Toomey's, you know, or on Shane's podcast. You know, it, it all being different, but also still being very him without being like an obvious advert. Yeah, I. It's funny because I remember texting the publicist uh, Amy, and I was like, or emailing her, and I was like, oh, you know, I, I 
think it went well. I don't know. Like, I was kind of stoked, like, how it came out, and, you know, we kind of hit it off really easily. You know, I think that speaks more to, to him than it does me necessarily, but um, it was kind of funny because, like, I literally, as soon as I was, like, I stopped this because we probably could have kept going because, as you heard him say, like, he's like, oh, there, I, I had, like, two hours blocked off for this. So, like, I mean, we could have had a two-hour marathon and probably just kept going, but right. I had to go get a tattoo uh so i was like yo i gotta get done i gotta go get this tattoo um thanks again and then like on my way to the shop you know like uh because like the funny thing is is a lot of times like in our email signature i have my actual cell phone uh in the email but that's not the number bless you that we typically use uh, for the to do interviews and so forth, so it kind of gets a little wonky where some people have like my number, but and then we'll call the other one and and so on and so forth. And uh, you know, I just sent Aaron like a real quick text, and I was like, "Hey man, like thanks for uh, doing this thing. Uh, you know, maybe like hope to maybe try to do this again in person when you're when you're doing the the, the tour uh, start the new year." And just almost like Porter, it was like we just started texting about other stuff. Like he was like, "Oh, what are you going to get? What are you getting?" And you know, like to tat, like what are you getting as far as the tattoo and like all this kind of other stuff. And we just started talking about a like a bunch of different shit. Um, and then I think he was like kind of checking out the podcast because we were talking about some of the other. Because he was like, "Oh, it was really cool," and you're able to stay in. And he goes, "Sometimes like you do these things, and people are so like." not able to be like in the moment and try to just shoehorn in questions because like that's like they're not comfortable with just talking about themselves and it was just kind of like one of those things like as we were like literally during my tattoo like i'm just sitting there i felt like (laughs) i felt like a teenage girl like because i was getting the back of my uh, thigh tattooed basically and so i was like laying on my stomach with like uh like on my uh on my elbows had to think of what that part of my body was called and texting and i was like i probably look like some like little fucking girl right now like texting on my phone like oh and it's like oh who are you like at one point my uh, tattoo artist was like who are you texting like is that your like bridget texting you and i was like no it's aaron and then like he was like aaron i was like oh uh from you know the almost and so forth we just got done doing a podcast for like an hour and he was like oh he's like oh are things getting serious between you guys <laughs> i sent some text messages to a dude once so i guess things are getting pretty serious yeah but i mean it was it was pretty cool i uh you know i I think the thing that's fun about this medium sometimes is you know we often have kind of beaten to death talking about how some people will come on and and you feel like you're just getting the the cut and cut and paste answers no matter if it's necessarily the question that was asked and that kind of sucks um and then you get ones like this where you're like is it good i don't know is it terrible i don't think so but i don't know what this is i don't know and this is the thing I was actually messaging Dan about earlier where I was like, I don't know if fans of Aaron or fans of the almost or fans of under Oath are going to like this. I don't even know if podcast people like that are into this podcast are going to like this or if it's just too weird too I don't know. Like this is the total antithesis of you want to be a fly on the wall during a conversation. <laughs> you are the Brundle fly in this one. <laughs> well, you know, for a lot of these in- interviews, I am very much the Brundle fly. And uh, at least on the first, you, you 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 pull up the shotgun barrel and go shoot me. <laughs> uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes not so much with this one, but you know, I think I think having a conversational chat like that sounds very redundant. Conversational chat, but uh, to to do a chat like this is a little bit like you get you get more of his mindset about the world and about how things are right now. Whereas if you show up with a notebook full of like eight questions or 
50 questions depending on how much time you have you know you're gonna like you're just it almost seems confrontational to me like as an interviewer to read questions or to ask questions like in a in like a structured format like when you were recording on such and such why did you do such and such and then they answer that question and then you'll immediately move on to another question and i think it's I think it, it, it puts everybody kind of on guard right? a little bit, whereas with a just a general conversation, it's a lot easier to kind of get an idea of, you know, who this person is, what they're about, what their experiences have been. And so I think in that sense, this chat did have all of that. You know, yeah, sure, he didn't drop any, like, juicy tidbits about, you know, things you thought you knew about the almost that you don't know or things that you thought about under oath that you don't know. But I mean, stuff like that is so clickbaity anyway. They're like, who cares? Yeah. Um, as we've said, this interview, or whatever the fuck you want to call it, uh, runs kind of long. So uh, there are a couple of topics I want to retouch on that uh, Dan actually just brought up, but we will get to those after the interview. So without further ado, this is my conversation with Aaron Gillespie, and we'll talk to you afterwards. <laughs> Hey, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Good. Might be one of the fastest pickups I've uh, ever had doing this. Well, the problem is, is <laughs> I just got the new Apple TV, and my phone, like, I don't understand. Like, I can't, like, around this time in my career, I'm just sorry, I feel like I'm on the phone, like, eight, eight, hours a, eight hours a day. So I got AirPods literally to talk on the phone. Yep. So I have my AirPods in, and I'm actually driving to Costco right now. And when I went to pick up the phone, it said, would you like to pick up the phone on your Apple TV? Which makes no sense because I'm in a Jeep 10 miles from my house. So I, so it didn't even ring. I, I felt a vibration on my phone, but it wasn't a phone call. It was asking if I wanted to pick up the call that I was receiving from Grand Rapids, Michigan on my Apple TV, which is fucking confusing. So anyway, man, yeah. My Apple, my Apple thing that's been a real motherfucker lately is I bought my second Apple TV because my wife, uh, we're spoiled, and uh, she liked the Apple TV I got before when we decided to get rid of cable, and then she kind of got, this is such a first world problem of, I don't want to take the box back and forth from the living room to the bedroom. So I was like, fuck it. Let's just buy another one. Like, it's not that, it's like not that expensive. So like, let's just do it for the sake of Why would you, why would you take it? Hold on a second. So you were walking back and forth with the Apple TV from your living space to your sleeping space. Yeah. I mean, it's just like two rooms over from the living room to the bedroom. I, so I guess that I'm going to sound like a real motherfucker. I have three Apple TVs <laughs> because I don't want to, I don't want to carry them back and forth either. Is that like real first worldy, like white uh, person rude? No, I mean I, I don't know. I mean it's just funny. Like everyone gives my wife and I shit for how invested in Apple we are because like we have the HomePod because we walk by it one day after oh, buying yeah. someone. Which I don't know. A lot of people don't seem to know this. You know, you can hook the HomePod up as like a, a, a soundbar with Apple TV. I did know that. I don't. I don't. I don't think the HomePod makes any sense. Uh, it's funny. My wife. Uh, we joke because uh, 
Real quick backstory, and you know what? Fuck it, I don't really care because I heard you on one other podcast, and you seem to be more into conversationalist things than just you know straight questions and answers. But don't ask me a hundred questions. No, I'm not going to. So uh, it was a thing where we ended up like I have a bunch of vinyl. My wife had vinyl, and we've grown our collection over our time of being together. We got married. We're about to celebrate our fifth year uh, next year. Uh, around this time Congrats. and thank you and so before we went to vegas uh to get married we were playing keno at the bar one night and if you know anything about keno oh, goes yeah. up to 100 or 99 sorry i do yeah. so it was one of those things she goes oh what's what's the last number i should play or pick and i go however many years you think we'll be married and she goes five it is so it's been the running joke that we're oh, gonna shit. that we're gonna get a we're gonna have a divorce or renewal party uh in five years which is next year don't get divorced. It's so expensive. Oh, I'm sure it is. But so we've we've made the uh, awful. comments about just basically like, okay, like w- we have a sectional couch. So, but it's like in like the person we bought it like at a uh, place where basically it was like used, but it wasn't. The person basically was so rich that they wanted a sectional couch for their boat, and so they cut it. They basically oh, had it sick. custom made into. <clears throat> six or seven pieces so each piece of the sectional is like one individual piece so we joke that it's like okay like you can have half the couch you want the ottoman side i want the side with the recliner and the 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 corner piece because those are the pieces i use and then it was like oh well who gets the bed and it's like well i fucking bought the bed so that's mine and then so we've just been kind of joking like oh who gets what and so forth and then so the other night we were at the bar and she was talking about well i really want the home pod we haven't decided who gets that in a divorce i go i'll straight up right now you can have the home pod if you give me all the vinyl and she goes fucking done D- did anyone hear that and i go I, and then my voice name is bridget i go bridget you realize the vinyl of yours that i don't want that i bought for you could buy like seven of the home pods and she goes no and i go so yeah like i'm winning out on that deal <laughs> so here's the th- here's the thing with apple here's my here's so i like watches like which is also really douchey to say but I like, I collect watches, like men's watches, right? So somebody bought, my wife actually bought me an Apple Watch last year for Christmas because I wanted it to go running with. Mm-hmm. The Apple Watch is the most redundant piece of technology in the world. And maybe that's because I'm a watch person, right? But yeah. like, so the app, Apple to me, Apple TV is so great. A phone, the phone is like the most transformative thing, piece of technology ever. And the AirPods to me are as transformative as the telephone, as the Apple phone. But like HomePod, Apple Watch, like version two of the AirPods. Yeah. Oh, did I lose you? Now. Oh, okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Sorry, I went under an underpass. I feel like if Steve Jobs was alive today and was talking about these things, he would roll over. He would, oh, he was rolling over in his grave. You know what I mean? Like, HomePod instead of vinyl, that's crazy talk to me. I, I, the thing I do appreciate about it is when you're having friends over and inevitably someone goes, oh, I I love this band. I wish I could hear this song. It's, it's a little bit harder to just stop the vinyl, pick up, find the song, or change records or whatever, and just straight up going like, and I'm not going to say because it it'll probably make all of our devices listen to us uh, more than they already are, but, you know, you basically just go, hey, so-and-so, uh, place, you know, whatever song. Um, so I, I do kind of get being able to change the mood and the vibe instantly, like, you know, when you're thinking of something. But the flip side of that is I, as a music appreciator, enjoy the immersive experience of putting on a record, sitting down, listening to it, or doing whatever I'm doing, and listening to it as a as a whole, not just 
in the iTunes, here's my playlist, here's my singles culture yeah. right now. I'm such a massive music fan, aside from it being my life and my profession and all of that. So we only, we have a rule in our house. We only listen to vinyl at home, unless you're my son. He listens to like, he's like seven. So he listens to like music when he falls asleep on an The rule should be he can only listen to but, 70, 7 inches and 45s. I mean, that's too much work, <laughs> you know, but I, I just, I just, for me, it's like, and it's not even like the snob thing of like, because vinyl, I mean, factually, vinyl doesn't sound better than audio files. Like, if you have a high quality audio file now, like if I bounce down a Pro Tools session uh, at a certain number, it's going to sound better than a vinyl. That's a fact. Well, truth be told, too, they're also mastering vinyl straight from CDs anyway, typically. So, typically. And I mean, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you should Google. You should Google a microscopic view of a vinyl record and a needle playing it. Because it's like, it's like our, the most archaic. I mean, it literally looks like someone's cutting, like, it looks like God's cutting a, a ditch in the earth with a knife. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. what it looks like. It's so bad. But for me, the reason I like vinyl so much is because it's the only sell, it's the only type of music that sells anymore. Like, like truly sells. So for me, it's like I want to buy that big piece of art from a from a musician or a band or whatever that I like. Um, and for me, it feels like, you know, it's my livelihood, too. So I feel like I'm like paying homage. And, you know, I, I have like a vintage stereo. And I love all that. You know, it's just a ritual of it. And I like that. Like, I'm kind of the opposite of you where you you got a bunch of people over drinking wine or beers or whatever. And you're like, they're like, I want to hear Jimmy Eat World Bleed American. I like having to go and get it. I mean, like, you know what I mean? I do have that. And sometimes what I like to do is try to curate the evening. Like, a lot of times, like, I might not be immersed in the conversation that my wife and whoever are having. But what I'll do is, like, I'll notice a shift in conversation and the vibe of the room. And I'll just secretly be like, oh, you know, it'd be really tight right now is if I put on, like, MGMT, like, right now. Like, it kind of feels like that kind of a vibe. And literally curating totally. what's happening totally. in the room. And then someone will slightly notice and be like, is that electric feel? Oh, my God, I love this record. And then everyone kind of starts you know kind of still being in the mood of what was happening but i've kind of slowly without anyone realizing it curated what's happening and shifting the mood and the vibe and so forth my wife and i used to go to when touch tunes was first a thing and they had the app on your phone we would go to the bar i loved that i remember that i loved that my wife and i there was a bar here in grand rapids uh not too far from like the intersection and so forth that you probably have played several times and grand rapids is such a good town sorry go ahead no it, it's why i moved here and uh it's one of those yeah. things though that uh, we would have theme nights so it'd be like high school dances so it'd be like stuff from like the mid to late 90s and it could be at like one night like I pulled out the, the end all be all where she was like I don't know how to top that but I pulled out Freak Nasty's The Dip and she was like the fuck is this and I was like y'all don't know about Freak Nasty so good. apparently y'all weren't on that kind of so tip good. back in the middle school <laughs> <laughs> I love it I love it I, you know for me I I just I I want to have conversation with people and I feel like you can put on music that causes conversation too. You know what I mean? Like, like for instance, you just brought up electric feel. Uh, you know how, you know how bands do remixes? Like my own band has done this. You know how bands like hire out people to do remixes and they do like a, like a, uh, like a deluxe album or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like a thing. Um, there's a, there's an electronic group from, from uh, the U I think they're from the UK. It might be Sweden called, called justice. Have you heard of that band, that group of, 
do they have people. the uh, like it's not spelled the way it normally would be, right? Is there a Y or something in there? Something I, different about yeah, how they spell I, it? I I think so. I'm pretty ignorant on electronic music, but in, anyway, the they did they did an electric feel remix that is better than electric feel. So like stuff like that. Like I have that single on a 12 inch. So like you could put that on instead of electric feel, and people are like, oh, I know electric feel, but what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? Like that's why I guess you know I like that kind of thing almost more because you, at that point you're like you're creating conversation you know what i mean what's uh just because this is always a fun topic for those that are musically versed uh listening to a lot of music that is what is this what is a cover that you've heard that you think is like one of your favorites that's not the original that's done as good done better actually than the original that you that you can think of off the top of your head uh I don't know. I, there's so many allegations of people now, and I'm so scared, so scared to talk about anything. Anyways, I don't <laughs> care. Like, I haven't, I haven't done anything wrong. Uh, Ryan Adams uh, doing Wonderwall. Okay. Which is like, and Ryan Adams got in a bunch of trouble. I don't know what he did. Apparently, he did, he married Mandy Moore. Apparently. <laughs> well, well, that's apparently like that was a big thing. He threw out all of his. He everyone threw out all of his records and stuff. I don't know what he did. I know he was married to Mandy Moore. I think there was some other like shit that he did, but I have no idea. Anyways, I don't don't you be mad at me because I said Ryan Adams. I don't I don't I don't know what he did. But anyways, he does Wonderwall. That's like it's so good, dude. Like it's so good. Um, so that's a big one for me. I'm trying to think what else. Um, I'm gonna go Ryan Adams again. Ryan Adams did uh, Alice in Chains down in a hole, which is so good too. Oh my God, Alice in Chains is one of my favorite rock bands, so maybe that's why I'm so into that. We also just did an Alice in Chains tour this summer, which was like a bucket list. It was so sick. Yeah, coincidentally, I was at the Detroit date uh, interviewing Chris and ran into Shane Told. Nice. Uh, which I wasn't. Nice. I didn't listen to the interview you did with him, so I don't know if it was done that day at the Detroit date or if it was done relatively recently. No, no, it was done like two weeks ago. Okay. Him and I have done like. I think we've done like uh, I was my third time on the podcast. Podcasts are my favorite interviews just because I, you know, I as a musician, we do a lot of interviews around record releases, which is really cool that you have that opportunity. But I feel like podcasts, like the long form interview, I'm just so much, I'm so much more into these days. And I don't know if it's because I'm a consumer of podcasts or or what. But for me, it's just it's so fun to have that long conversation. So Shane and I go way back. We did some of our first touring together. Um, and we just always have good conversations, so it's a, it's a lot of fun. Well, I think the thing sometimes that's that's interesting about this, like you know, when you know, I heard you on uh, a friend of mine's podcast, Talk to Me podcast, and I was like, ah, Aaron mm. kind of gets the medium of, I mean. Th- these things kind of can go all over. They can be more interview based, which depending on it's kind of really dependent upon what sure. the, the guest gives you. If they're not really into talking and being open with a complete stranger, then I totally get it. But the flip side of that is it's more interesting when you feel like a fly on the wall. And, you know, some of my favorite people who, who do it are like Chris Hardwick, which I you're probably not supposed to talk about him anymore. And, you know, Marin, who oh, somehow yeah. works through his own bullshit with <laughs> with the guest. And I always walk away. Marin's like great. I learned something about him as the host. I learned something about the guest, which probably isn't going to be anywhere else. And as a whole, it was a it was a really interesting hour or so getting to know this person that I like or admire. And I feel like sometimes that's what I try to do, but it has, I mean, in the medium of dealing with music and so forth, it is what it is. I mean, I had the opportunity, like, these, this is my last three days, so... 
Uh, today is Friday mm-hmm. as when we're recording. Uh, Wednesday, I talked to Ivan Moody of Five Finger Death Punch about his CBD products, which, I mean, the, cool. uh, the grand scheme of it, no one's going to give a fuck, to be completely honest. But it's like it's a good look uh, right. to get a guest of that caliber. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, I talked yeah. to Mike from Stain slash Sanisonia, which is, you know, as a guitar player, nice. someone that I was super into. Now I'm talking to you. Totally, dude. Um, I got an email confirming totally. that I get to talk to Tiffany, the uh, 80s pop star, uh, in a couple of weeks. But they want, they were like, weird. Yeah, she can do 10 minutes. And I'm like, all right, I'll I'll do it, but like ten minutes, you realize for this medium isn't like that's like a, that's nothing. We've been talking for fifteen and haven't really hit on anything, but we've covered a wide spectrum of things. So I'm hoping she'll at least be kind of in the same boat. Right, right. I you know what, man? It's funny because like I, I I'm such a consumer of podcasts. You know what I mean? So like for me, like when I do them, I try and be. This sounds so stupid, but I try and be the type of guest that I would want to listen to. You know what I mean? Like, because you're right. Like, you hear podcasts and, like, some of the guests are, like, it's very interviewee, you know? And some of them are like, hey, let's have a conversation, you know? Like, I feel like in terms of the longest form, the longest form podcast, I would say, that I listen to is Rogan. I just can't and do that anymore. And some of the guests, you can't, it's so long. Yeah. Some of the guests make it, some of it's painful sometimes yeah. how long it is. And then sometimes you're like, yeah, this is great. So for me, like, I try to gauge it like that. Like, how am I one of the long, boring guests on Rogan? Or am I, like, one of the intriguing ones? You know what I mean? Because there's some on there that are so long and so boring, you know? So for me, I try to be as intriguing as as I can in the long form aspect. I had this epiphany the other day because uh, I just came back from Vegas a couple of weeks, like two weeks ago, uh, surprising my wife who went the day before I did uh, when she went out to go see some friends nice. and go see Lost Rages. And it was a thing where I, on the flight back, I ended up watching Midsummer or Midsummer, however you pronounce it. And that movie's fucking scary. Uh, it's it's a slow burn, it and it scared was, me. It was kind of funny because you know when I was done, I, I did the thing I do where. I kind of I didn't want to necessarily rush how I felt about it. I kind of wanted to gather some other information and be like, okay, like I noticed these things. Like, did anyone else, and what do they mean, or what do does anyone else think they mean? What I think they mean. And in doing kind of the research of it, my wife was sitting next to me. And she goes, "That movie looked fucked up. Was it about a cult?" And I go, "Uh, sort of, but not entirely." Uh, I was like, "It's, uh, it's too much to unpack." And she was like, "It looked long and boring." And I go. You know, maybe it's because I listen to podcasts and, I, and I'm kind of sometimes immersed in something that isn't always great right away. But it's it's in that unpacking of the slower moments that when the, the great things happen that you're like, oh, fuck, I'm so glad I hung in there and I stuck with it because now I'm getting to all this really good shit. And I think that's more it speaks more to life because like not everything is great. Sometimes you got to go through some boring stretches to get to the good shit to where it's like you really appreciate those things. And I think. You know, I was totally. kind of wondering if podcasting is such, I don't know, subversive is the word I'm looking for, but is so the, an anomaly in today's society because it requires you to be an active participant in what you're doing, but not participating in it at all. Whereas we're inundated with things that you, as soon as you want it, you get it, you have it, you get everything you want at a moment's notice. Whereas podcasts and movies kind of like that are, are a slow burn and kind of require more of you. You know, I'm also... I sound so douchey today. I'm sorry. I'm also, a, I'm also, a, I also like to read. And I think that came from like, 
uh, I went to a private school as a kid. I grew up like really conservative Christian. Um, so I went to a private school and I felt like I got robbed of an education when I got older because we never had to read like Orwell or um, any like of the old history books. We never had to read like any of the American classics. So when I turned like 17 or 18 years old, I just started like eating all these books. Right. So for me, like the slower form things feel like a book to me where you've got to get to what you want. You know what I mean? So I think that it's like you're saying, like, I just, I just want to, I want to, I want to get there. You know what I mean? And I think that part of the fun is getting there too. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of people want like that instant gratification and that's fine. You know, some things like sometimes you just want a fucking cheeseburger. You don't want like a steak. You know what I mean? And that's okay. Like sometimes you just, sometimes you want instant gratification and that's okay too. I just, for me, I 99% of the time prefer slow burn. So I don't know. I mean, like you just said, you can't do Rogan anymore. And I, you know, I feel like sometimes I feel that way too. And sometimes I don't, it's just a matter of where I am that day. You know, if I've got like a 10 hour flight, I'll download a couple episodes of Rogan. Oh, for sure. You know know what I mean? But if I'm like, going to the grocery store i'm not turning on rogan you know what i mean so (laughs) it's like it's just yeah it's like it's it's a cyclical thing for me like sometimes i want that kind of thing and sometimes i don't you know like i went through this thing recently where you know on the road i read like three or four books a week just because there's nothing to do you know and it used to be like let's get fucked up every day and now it's more like self-preservation i have kids you know it's like i can't i i'm gonna go exercise in the morning i'll have some beers but like i gotta take care of myself you know, so like I started reading a lot on the road and sometimes, you know, I'll get a big novel and read through the fucking thing. So, you know, I just read the Alexander Hamilton history, which is like a 700 page, like giant book. And then sometimes I'll just read like dime store, like Western novels from the 50s. They're super, super dumb, but super entertaining. So it's a cycle, right? Like sometimes you read that Alexander Hamilton book and sometimes you're like, you know what, man, I just want to read some horse shit. So anyway. So there's a couple of things in there that I I thought of immediately. So first of all, uh, this sounds very braggadocious, but it was just an elective class I took in high school because I just did. Uh, I thought it's what I wanted to go into school for before I realized that college is kind of a a crapshoot anyway. But, um, you know, I ended up taking our psychology and sociology classes, which are basically just introduction classes to, to it. And... I remember there was like an exercise and that's pretty much all I realized that that class is. It's just a bunch of exercises to teach you about yourself and the different kinds of personality traits and types and so forth. But they, there was a question and it was, how do you eat your cake? So I'll pose the question to you. How do you eat your cake when you're presented with a slice of cake? Uh, mine is going to be another question. Like what kind of cake is it? Just a normal, it's got frosting on the top, you got the layer of cake, and then another layer, like the in-between layer of icing, and then the, got it. A, a, a dual layer of cake, I got guess. Got it. Yeah, birthday cake. Uh, I, I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go uh, frosting first, I, because I am not much of a sweet tooth person. Okay. So I'm going to go, uh, yeah, I'm going to go frosting first to get it over with, because I like the doughy the doughy cakey part more. So basically when I answered it and, and I'm, I'm, I don't like chocolates and, and a lot of that stuff. Like my, my weakness is like sour patch kids and things like that. And same. So, yeah. 
you know, cake is kind of whatever to me. Um, I'm pretty picky about when I eat it, but I typically will eat it the cake first and work my way to the, the quote-unquote top or the beginning where the, all the frosting is and save my frosting for last. So basically the, the, what this exercise or this question teaches you is that – so you say you'll eat your cake, your icing first and the frosting first. So that means it would tell me that you're more of an instant gratification kind of a person, whereas someone who kind of eats it all together is kind of someone who likes to enjoy all of all the things all together and is kind of a little bit whatever – Whereas someone like myself who eats everything first and saves the frosting for last, it shows, so they say, that I'm more patient and willing to work to my reward at the very end and, and be rewarded with the sweet thing by eating the mundane or whatever, as it's kind of explained. And I kind of thought that was horseshit. <laughs> but then the more I thought about it, I was like, no, oh, well, yeah, that's kind of how I, I am. I eat the sweet part first to get it over with. But is it that you enjoy that part the most, or you just are dreading all the sugariness of it, so you just want to get it out of the way to get to the, the rest of the actual, like, the meat and potatoes of what it is you're eating? I'm not a sweet tooth person, so for me, like, the cakey part is what I like. So I want to choke down that fucking, <laughs> you know, mouth crack, sweet, you know, break your molar stuff so I can get to what I actually want. So that analogy is bullshit. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like there's so many parameters. No, there's so many parameters inside of, inside of that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like there used to be a rule in making music, like in the studio. Mm -hmm. You would do like a scratch track, then you would do drums, then bass, then guitar, then like sparkly keys and extra stuff, and then vocals. That's like the unspoken rule of making albums. It's been that way for... Forever. Since time immemorial and making records. And I just think that's bullshit. And especially and now everyone just does whatever the fuck they want. You know, there's songs on the latest Under Oath record where the vocals were done first. Like there's no rule anymore. You know what I mean? So for me it's like I feel like that's what that analogy that's like that analogy. That analogy is bullshit. Just like making records with drums first and vocals last is bullshit because you should be able to do whatever inspires you. If I'm inspired by the cakey part let me choke down this freaking mouth crack sugar stuff so I can do what I want. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, your analogy's busted. Doesn't work. I mean, it's not mine. <laughs> but you came in with some ownership, though. So I just, I, you know. Yeah. I'm no. just kidding. No, I. Uh, I'm just kidding. You know, I have a a very weird. I mean, this is kind of going all over. So I feel like this is an interesting thing. You know, so. Unbeknownst to you, uh, I just turned 35 uh, relatively recently, and mm. you know I, I feel like my wife and I and a handful of people that are around my age we're in an interesting. I mean, we're technically millennials, I think, on the cusp of somehow, but it's one of those things where I think about the the shifts and that we've seen in, in culture and you know with internet and with technology and a lot of the things that we've experienced in our lives growing up. Like we are one of the last generations to kind of learn to have real experiences and, and bonding with people and building relationships through sitting down and talking and, and having to be in our own heads with our imaginations and so forth before being inundated with social media and so forth. And, you know, as I was looking at my Facebook earlier today, you know, and it's like, oh, here's your memories from the last, you know, however long you've had the fucking app. And 
you know, I posted something recently and someone was like, oh man, you look so different back then. You look so young. And I'm part of me was like, is it because I've gotten fatter and I don't weigh like 120 pounds? Like now that I'm like, you know, 200 pounds, <laughs> is it because I'm heavily yeah. tattooed now and I wasn't then? Is it like, you know, and it kind of has made me realize that we're kind of in this culture where we look back, but we're also being judged on such a daily basis and thinking about what it does to us as the individuals and something I've kind of focused on in doing this podcast and talking to a lot of people who have been in bands that were signed at a young age is thinking about the fact that, and maybe you'll agree with this, maybe you won't, but I mean, you're in such a unique position that you basically spent your formative years on the road, making a product for someone to sell and being told you either were amazing or you were shit because it didn't sell what it needed to, to make someone some money and now here you are. Like I think you're. I think you're in your thirties as well. At least, like I don't know if you're in your lower. I'm thirty. I'm thirty six. Okay, so same age basically. Yeah. And so it's just one of those yeah. things. Like it makes me wonder, with there being so much of your life as it is, quote unquote, known on the internet, and for people to just look at and comment on, what has that done to you? I know that's kind of a, a really out of left field question, but no, no, I think that you know I. I have a lot of people tell me I look better than I did when I was younger because I just look like a chubby, like weird, <laughs> like emo cher- cherub. Yeah. Um, you know, and now, like yourself, I'm covered in tattoos, and um, I didn't gain a ton of weight, which is lucky, thank God. Um, but and that's that's a bad thing, but you know, um, for me, I think that what that what it does is stunt your growth. Spencer from our band, he always says, we were 25, we were 16. You know, because like, okay, so for instance, like I have a seven-year-old son and I don't talk about him a lot and because people are fucking creepy and, oh, I, you know, I wanted to talk about him when he was younger. I would be like in a signing for something and someone would come up and ask me about my son by name and that freaked me out bad. So That's I don't weird. talk about him a ton, but um, super weird, dude. Um, so anyways, he, he's seven and he's like all male. So he's like super into like, you know, GI Joes and toy guns and all of this stuff. And he wants to impress me with it because I'm his dad, right? Like I'm the alpha male in the family. So he's like, dad, check out this gun I drew or dad, check out like this cowboy suit that I built out of cardboard. And he's like super, he needs my approval. You know what I mean? He needs my approval for him to think it makes sense. And for him to realize that he's done a good job. And I feel like that's what it was like growing up the way that we all grew up as musicians is like you make something and you think it's fucking awesome. Cause that's what you do. You know, when you're making your first music, you go record your first album. You're like, this is fucking awesome. And it feels unlike anything else. And like you said before, like we live in a new generation where you can literally record something in your bedroom. Like take Post Malone, for instance. He recorded something and woke up famous the next day. Literally, <laughs> that's what happened to that guy. Yeah. You know, like, so you can do that. But back in the day, and this sounds so stupid, but like it was an expensive process and you thought it was fucking awesome. And then you just had to wait and see if people were going to shit on you or not. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like, so like, I feel like growing up like that stunts your growth. You know, because my son, he will grow out of, he will grow out of needing dad's approval for his GI Joe costume. You know what I mean? Like, eventually he'll grow out of that and it'll be something else. But 
I didn't, like, we didn't get to grow out of that. Like, we had to live that shit. We have to live it now as 36-year-old men with children. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's, like, that's fucking weird, dude. Like, it's a really weird life that we live. So for me, it's like, how do I, how do I quantify if it's good or not? You know, and that's what, it's it stunted our growth. Like, the, you know, the growing up that way and now it being, like, commonplace, it just stunted our growth. You know, I'm 36, but, like, I'm going to make something next year. I make something every year. I make something every day, but something gets noticed every year and, or gets released. I'm going to make something this year and be terrified that you, like, are going to like it. And if you don't, it's going to hurt my feelings. How weird is that? Like, I'm 36, like, with a mortgage and children. So, like, I care if you like what I make. Like, that's really weird, man. When you really think about it, when you really break it down, it's fucking weird. Like, I don't, who gives a shit? Like, if I, if you and I went to the bar tomorrow night, you're like, hey, Aaron, I saw that you're in Grand Rapids. Do you want to go to Founders? Or wherever. And I'd be like, yeah, totally. And I walked in. And you're like, I don't like your shirt. I would be like, fuck you. I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, but now, like, as a man, my craft, my job, if you're like, hey, if I walked in and you're like, yo, your last album's a pile of trash, that would bother me the whole night. Like, we wouldn't be able to drink our all-day IPA and be soaked. Because I would be so pissed at you. Which is so weird. Like, you have a right to say that it sucks. And now that right is just public. You know what I mean? Like, that's the only difference. That's weird, man. That's so weird. That gives me anxiety. I think the thing that's been interesting about doing this podcast, and, you know, I went and saw the Jane Silent Bob reboot movie with the Q&A with Jane, uh, Kevin Smith, and mm-hmm. after the movie. And, you know, the, the someone had asked, they were like, oh, did you, were you going to ask a question? I was like, no, because I would just say the same shit everyone's going to fucking say. Like, because of you, because of the Hardwicks, because of the Marins, you know, and the Rogans that did this 10 years, 12 years prior, you know, it inspired me. You guys always say, like, do the thing, make your own thing, make your own thing. Now, the grand scheme of things, I probably have taken my thing further than most of the people's because they're they're doing something very, very, very niche. And I'm not saying this isn't, but it's like you and your friend playing a, your friends playing a D and D campaign as a podcast probably is only going to appeal to a very limited array of people. And I mean, it's just the reality of it. Totally. Now me talking to random musicians and so forth of varying genres of varying decades, whatever I appeal to a wider demographic. and, And thankfully for some stupid fucking reason, Apparently, I have been given the gift of being able to just bond with people very quickly. Like, it's something, speaking of being at bars, something my wife will always be like, we'll be on a vacation, and some old man will, something will be on, it might be Thin Lizzy, <laughs> and then, like, the guy will be like, oh, what do you know about this? And I'm like, oh, this is Thin Lizzy, like, you know, this is off of uh, Johnny the Fox, and this is a fucking greater album, and blah, 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 blah. And then we'll just start talking about old music that someone, that the guy straight up will be like, you know, I didn't think you knew this much about insert whatever, but you know, have a wealth of knowledge because I grew up with my parents' stuff and curiosity and so forth and my own interests. But I'll then have strangers tell me things about them in their lives that they probably would never tell anybody else that they don't know. And it's carried over onto this medium of podcasting. And so therefore I know I have some, the intangible it, whatever it really is. And it's one of those things where 
you know, in, in kind of doing this, it's like I have gotten to befriend a lot of people that I've long admired. I think one of the crazier ones to me, because the set list is still sitting in front of my face, is Porter from Atreyu. Like, we did one of these many years ago. We kept texting throughout the day just about random shit after it was done. And now we're like friends. And it's He's great. fucking, I mean, he is, and his wife is too, and most of those guys are. And it's just one of those things that oh, yeah. I'm still a fan of the band, but it's weird that I've compartmentalized Porter as the person I know and the friendship that we've been building over the last handful of years. But then when I see him play, I'm like, oh yeah, you're also in this band that I have fucking loved since I was like in high school, which is weird. And there's just this kind yeah. of weirdness about it. But more oftentimes than not, like, and this is kind of a shit thing to say, but it's like, I tend to find that the people I get along with and build the relationships with the most are the people that I'm just kind of eh about their band. Like where it's like, yeah, I know what you've done and, and you've had a lot of success, but I, it's not, it was never really my thing. And you know, it, it's, huh. it's always interesting. That's interesting, dude. Like the ones that I'm like, Oh, I have to talk to so-and-so. And I like, I assume it's just going to be whatever. And then like that dude and I, or that person and I just get along so fucking well that when we're done, we're like, Hey man, like here's my email, oh, here's weird. my number or whatever. Like let next time we're in town, hit me up and we'll go grab some drinks or something. And you're like, yeah. And then you're just kind of like, man, you're a really cool person. I it's kind of is it good or bad that I I kind of don't like the the art that you make. And I and I think that I'm in a weird position where a lot of people probably aren't that way where they can't separate the person from the thing that they're known for or that they do. I think that most people are like that. And I'm much like you were like some of my greatest friends in the music industry are people that I'd never listened to <laughs> their music. Like, and, and people that know that too. I mean, like you get a few drinks in you and you start telling people that shit <laughs> and that's weird. You know, like that's one of my good friends in the industry is, uh, is Franz from Attila. Oh yeah. And I just, everything he does and his persona. And I'm just like, I don't get it, man. You know, it's just not who I am, not what I do, but he is the sweetest. He seems super guy. genuine. He, has, he is genuine, and his stuff is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> you know, like him, like, talking about his cars and, like, pictures of his girlfriend's ass online. He's just crazy. You know what I mean? But as a person, as a dad, like, as a guy that I talk to on a regular basis, he's the best guy ever. Like, he just loves people, and he just loves, like, doing his thing which makes no sense to me and probably makes no sense to you but like it's just great he's just great you know what i mean so like there's a lot of guys like that in the industry you know what i mean like and it's that's a, it's an it's a really weird thing that's a super weird thing i don't get it i don't get that part at all and but i think that the serendipitously beautiful you know it's funny when i got done doing the chat with ivan my dad called me and then because i had was just like, oh, I'm talking to Mike from Stained, and that was one of my first shows he took me to is Corn and Stained and Mindless Self-Indulgence like forever ago. That's a cool tour. Yeah, and, you know, so I was talking to him. You know, he's kind of gotten into what this is uh, after I talked to Brian from Corn, and it was mm. just like, I, th I think that was the thing for him, and I'm sure you can attest to this, like with your parents, like there was that moment in your career where like something happened and your parents finally got it, that you what you were doing, and, and it's like, oh, it's not just this thing you do. It's, there's, tangibleness that's not a word but tangible tangibles about the thing that make it now real for them to understand and i think that was the totally. one for him where he he understood like the podcast is a thing and what they are and and all that and mm -hmm. so he happened to call me after i just got off the phone with ivan i was like oh, i was talking to the guy from five finger death punch and he was like he goes can i ask you a stupid question why do people not like that band and i go honestly 
I was like, I don't know. Um, I've seen them. Like, they're not necessarily my cup of tea. You know, I, I get they're kind of the lower common denominator in what they do. But that being said, they they appeal to a wide demographic of people. You know, I went and saw a show where they played in front of, I think, probably eight or 10,000 people. And watching everyone be into it, I was like, it's not for me. But you know what? So many people are into it. So fuck it. That's cool for all these people to be able to have this shared moment. And I'm at least able to kind of walk away going like, it's cool that those people have that thing and they can share in it and, you know, it connects with them. And at the end of the day, that's all music is supposed to do. So I'm not going to shit on it. But it's right. just it's it's interesting to see how something as that's supposed to be so inclusive as music is so divisive at the same time. I, you know, I we come from this world of music. It's like I have a friend who engineers for me a lot. and He used to work at Electric Lady in the 60s. Oh, and wow. He's old. He's like in his like He's like. His stories are fucking terrifying. So he engineers for me a lot, and he owns this incredible studio in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I make a lot of other people's records. And he tells me that Under Oath is hipster metal. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I, A, I don't know what that means, but B, he's right. You know, we grew up in, like, that scene world, if you will. And so we were always, like, in that thing. So Five Finger Death Punch, we did a tour with Five Finger Death Punch in Slipknot, and I can't remember who else was on the tour. And like, oh, eight, it was that rock was star. Was it Monstar, the Monster rock. Energy? Or Rockstar Energy? No, it was, maybe, I can't remember. May, was it Mayhem? Mayhem, that's it. Yeah. So okay. so we did a tour of those bands, and I, I hung out with Ivan all the time. And Ivan was so dramatic. <laughs> like, I remember him saying, like, and there, again, this is 11 years ago, but I remember him saying, this is me just acting like I care every day and don't want to die. Like, it's really like, like super dramatic, serious shit. And I was like, this is so weird. And I didn't like the music, but I was like, this is so weird. Um, like how dramatic he is, but also like, it's this incredibly honest thing. You know what I mean? Like he's being incredibly honest and it's so dramatic and strange, but like, at least it's his, you know, and at least he's owning where he's at as a person. Um, being quote hipster metal, you know, for so many years and having success in that, whatever that world is, and then coming around to now we tour with all these bands and I would love to tour with five finger death coach. Like I would love it. Like we never have other than that tour, which is like a festival thing. And they were on the same, they were closing the stage that we were on. This is before they were like massive, you know? Um, but for me, melding all of that stuff is the goal. Especially for music with guitars, like we need to do it all together. Like we got to put it all together. You know, like we got to make it all one thing. Otherwise, we're going to get just beaten down because pop music is, is the winner right now. So in my mind, it's like as long as it's honest and real and true, like even as a, even as a 23-year-old, I was like, Ivan, this is so, I would never, I was terrified of him. So I'd never <laughs> dare say like, I would never dare say, like, you're so dramatic. This is weird. Like, I literally, like, I don't get it, but, like, it makes sense. You know what I mean? So that, for me, is, like, is the thing. And I think that those bands, those types of bands, really, really, really resonate with people because of the honesty. You know what I mean? Like, I think that people may say we're in a, you're in, like, the, the place of music that doesn't make any sense, but in my mind, it's, like, people still know a rap. People can still sniff out a rap. You know what I mean? 
So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I have a very weird question kind of talking about the new Almost record. And I know this is really fucking mm. stupid because I know a lot was made about this on the Under Oath thing. And, and to be completely honest, I, I try not to read too much of any past interviews because I don't want to be clouded by anything someone has said or keep bringing up someone else's shit. But in listening to the first Almost record to this one and kind of trying to find uh, sort of, I don't know if I was looking for growth or just wanting to see the differences between the records with there being such a dramatic gap of time in between. And it's not like, you know, you're you're just touring relentlessly behind it in different iterations. But, you know, I noticed the thing that jumped out to me is obviously using a couple of swear words on the new Almost record. And it kind of made me wonder from a creative standpoint if getting all through all the bullshit of having people realize that, you know, under oath now will have swearing in it and that, Oh my God, guess what? You guys are fucking people too. And you, you use language just like we do every single day and not having to kind of hide behind maybe a labels, uh, protection of like, we need to make sure we cater to this demographic for album sales and so forth. Was it more freeing to is it more freeing to be able to use whatever language terminology phrases whatever you want when creating now and not have to worry like well if I do this then the label's going to push back on me and tell me I need to edit it or put out a radio version of this or whatever mm. is it more freeing to do that now I mean the short answer is yes but I think I think that labels on anything is like hyper dangerous and I think like the worst thing in music like the worst thing in music is exclusion. You know, like if I told you tomorrow, like I'm making a new record about veganism, <laughs> you know, you're just like, what? You know, you're, like, I'm just not interested. You know, I already, I already grayed out your, your, right. So like for me, it's like, it's, it's great. And for you want, yes, but it's all great for us to give. And, a product that we believe in, you know, because if I'm constantly, constantly editing myself because of uh, 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 a label put on our or a moniker the label put on us or whatever, like that, I'm not giving the fans true, honest music, right? Absolutely. Which is like back to the back to the Ivan thing, where I'm like, this is so dramatic and insane, but also like the reason they're massive, you know. And I really believe the reason that Under Oath has had any success is because we've always tried to be honest, you know, like we really, really have. And sometimes at a detriment, you know what I mean? Like sometimes at a detriment to like, so for where they raced me, a lot of people were mad about that record because it wasn't as heavy as a record 10 years ago. But like <laughs> the bottom line is if we would have made, if we would have made a record that sounded like the find the great line, we would be just cashing it, getting a check and duping all of you. I mean, look at refused. I think they're a great example of that. Totally. You know, and, and I, you know, for me, sleep at night, knowing that I made something that's public, that isn't exactly what I wanted to make. That's wrong. In my opinion, it's wrong. And that is like, I just can't do it. My conscience is too, too serious. You know, like I, I want to make stuff that people listen to and go, I, I, I don't agree with this or I do agree with it, whatever, but at least it's, it's unequivocally them. You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah, that's the long answer. The short answer is yes. <laughs> I will definitely say, and kind of in wrapping up, because I got to get ready to go get tattooed for about five hours. But uh, 
fuck that. I can only sit for 90 minutes now. Uh, well, I'm trying to bang out my leg portrait sleeve, so I know I'm... Chances are there's the gap I wanted to go in, and chances are it's going to go on the back of my thigh because it'll be big and it'll blast out a big chunk. Sick. Um, You're fucked. Yeah, and then I got to sit on it literally uh, for the last next couple of days. The worst one's going to be actually be in uh, second skin. Yeah, second skin. Yeah, Can actually, there's a. Uh, sometimes, actually, what I have learned that has worked because I had it done when I did my stomach at a convention was there's stuff called vasocaine, and basically, I mean, it, it's everyone thinks it's cheating. Uh, and I will definitely say that it is not because you have to have all of the skin broken open that's been tattooed or where it's going to be tattooed. So basically, you have to get the whole fucking tattoo and then put this shit on. But then you don't really feel anything, which is really fucking weird. Um, but what Ooh. I have learned with that is that instead of – and for anyone who maybe hasn't had like hours and hours long worth of a tattoo, and especially in some of these painful spots that are kind of left now, it allows you to go about your day where you don't – feel it so you can kind of act more normal um so like when i got yeah. my when i got yeah. like uh the back of my leg done at one point i was like oh if you put that on like i'll be able to like go to bed tonight and sleep uh without having to be like oh my stomach right. or my back or whatever so it's a it's a thing where that has been like a godsend as of recently for me that i found in the last like two years so i'm definitely going to use that um at the very end to oh. put it on so i can go about my day and then probably have a couple of drinks because yeah. I'll have earned it. But, uh, no, I'm actually – the one that's going to suck is uh, Josh Woods is coming back to Michigan uh, in a couple of months, and we're going to do the other side oh, of cool. my neck. And I know he's going to take up, like, all of the side of my neck. So uh -huh. – and I told him initially, I was like, yeah, let's do, like, a three- to four-hour session. And then the more I think about doing a three- to four-hour session on my neck, I'm like, that's going to fucking suck. But it'll look cool when it's done. I still think the stomach, stomach is the worst. Yeah, it That's sucks. The worst. the worst is because you're getting like, your ribs pushed it, on the whole time as well. Uh, I'm thankful my stomach is done and my ribs are done. I just have, like, my lower stomach, like my pelvis, which I want to do. But I'm just like, dude. And I have, like, three-quarters of a back tattoo finished. And that is so bad, too, because you can't do anything for it. Yeah. You're just fucking stuck. You're yeah, just I fucking stuck. You know, like, you go to bed at night and you're just like, I don't, I'm not a stomach sleeper. I'm just, like, fucking stuck. Oh, that's, that's the other part that's going to suck about today is I don't like I don't like a sitting still and secondly I don't like laying on my stomach so it's going to suck getting blasted for a couple hours but all that aside um, obviously you're getting ready to do this almost tour where you're playing the uh, southern I can never is it southern weather I always want to keep calling it southern warrior yeah. you know that's not it <laughs> yeah that's a terrible name but whatever yeah but uh, it's one of those things where I think it's been interesting that I feel like in in, in light of how this whole thing has gone where we're just kind of going back and forth telling stories and kind of, you know, getting to know each other. I feel like that mm. was kind of the interesting thing, at least of, of how I've heard you're going to approach this thing where you're going to play that record in its entirety and intersperse other songs into it. So that way you're kind of mm -hmm. getting the old thing that everyone's familiar with while learning about this new record that maybe people haven't gotten. And I think that's really interesting because I think it's going to create a, a better dynamic and picture of what the almost is then to now for you as the artist, for hopefully the people going to see it as the fans and kind of really garnering more of a, a relationship together. There's so many, everyone does some sort of like reunion 10 year, whatever tour. And it's cool because I think I would want to see one if I was a fan. You know what I mean? Like, I think I would be like, yeah, I'm into that. Um, so I've, under Oath's only ever done it once, and that's when we first got back together and we played our two biggest records back-to-back. -back. 
Um, so with this, I just want to do something different, you know? So my thought is like, I want to play Fear Caller, which is the new record, like not the whole thing, but I want to play a lot of those songs, but it's hard for, it's hard for fans to sit through a band. You know what I mean? Like they're just playing shit that they want to hear. It sucks. So my idea was I'm going to play the record they want to hear, you know, in its entirety, but I'm going to do it like interspersed. So you're getting like, you're getting like, like you said, like a journey, you know, and it's kind of like duping people in the sense where now you have to listen to the whole thing. Like you have to listen to me play all the new songs that I want to play. You're giving them the frosting to get to the, the cakey part that you like, the doughy cake that you like. Exactly. Like you're going to, you're going to have to listen to me play all of it, you know, like, and it's kind of like, I don't know. I feel kind of bad about it. Like I'm going to play a bunch of new songs. You got a deal, but also like I'm giving them what they want. So what the way I'm going to do it is instead of like a lot of bands, a lot of friends of mine's bands, taking back Sunday did this where they played what they wanted to. And then they encored and played all of tell all your friends. That's how they started that whole thing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do, um, I'm going to open with like the opening song off Southern Weather, and then I'm going to play a Fear Caller song. And then I'm going to play a Southern Weather song. And then I'm going to play a Fear Caller song. So I'm going to, I'm going to either other, you know what I mean? Like every other track, which I think is like, I haven't heard yet. And also like, I just feel like that way you have to listen to the new shit. Godspeed. You know? So anyway. That's the plan. That's the plan. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I mean, if people get mad or whatever, but I don't know. Well, uh, I want to say thank you for for taking the time to uh, bullshit for about an hour. I don't know yeah. if you had another interview after me. I, I never got a time frame or a time limit. I, I do, but it's not. It was. I had a two hour gap. Oh, okay. So you're good. Uh, but where can everyone find uh, the almost or yourself online? Yeah, just the almost dot com. That stuff, and then all the various socials uh aaron r gillespie is like all my personal socials um i don't have a i have a facebook but i don't i've never used it i've never like i have a facebook because management makes you have a facebook and labels make you have a facebook but i've never been on facebook <laughs> so i don't know anything about it you're not missing much uh, so the facebook i don't know yeah i don't know what's there if you want to find us on facebook i don't know what it is it's the almost what it's not but yeah i no clue dude uh, and my personal Facebook could be fake. I have no idea. So at one point, I know that management made me a first personal Facebook, but again, I don't know. So yeah, all of the various accoutrements online. Uh, yeah. Well, I know you're playing Detroit, uh, which is about two and a half hours away, but uh, maybe when we get closer or if you're just ever in the area, get together and either do another one of these over some beers or something, uh, or just... Uh, yeah, dude, if you... If you uh, if I'm ever in your area or you want to drive two hours, uh, let me know. We'll come. We'll hang. That'd be fun, man. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll hit up uh, Amy and get it all squared away. Right on, dude. Thanks, buddy. Enjoy the rest of your day. See you, bye. So that was my conversation with Aaron Gillespie. Um, like I said in the intro, that was kind of just an all-over free-form conversation, which uh, you know was pretty cool and, and was a lot of fun just to to kind of talk to someone. Um, and you know it is kind of interesting too when you do something like that in the the regard of like you know we talk a lot about how in prepping for interviews like we have the ability to listen to so many different interviews and have in this situation with Aaron like almost twenty years of 
interviews that he's done over the years. So you kind of get a better sense of him and how he you know, answers questions. But something that I think has been really interesting, especially at least with this almost press cycle that he's been doing, is that he pretty much just wants to talk to people. He wants to learn about the people behind the show that he's on. And, and I think that's really cool. Like, you know, you had spoken about how, you know, he did that with Toomey a little bit. Like, you know, they talked about country music. They talked about a lot of different, like nothing that we talked about is on Toomey's episode. Nothing that Toomey talked about is on this or Shane Told's podcast. Nothing on Shane's is on either of ours. And I think as someone who listens to a lot of other podcasts and, and sometimes you'll see these people go through the cycle of the podcast guest, you know, it is refreshing to know that no three episodes are going to be identical in any way, shape or form. And that's, that's really cool to me. Um, there was something that I thought was kind of interesting and I wasn't sure if I really even wanted to ask it, but I'll kind of pose it to you, Dan. I know, you know, we have kind of talked about this in a couple of different facets of you know kind of christians and christian music and and per the perception of being a christian artist and so forth but i was kind of interested to really wonder if what under oath did on this last record where they had cursing on the record oh no um if that allowed aaron to feel more comfortable expressing himself without having to kind of like self-edit because that hurdle had already been done it's been beaten to death i mean how many headlines did you read about how well, we're not really christians anymore and i don't give a fuck if we swear in a record who gives a shit you know it it i mean fuck even emery <laughs> makes a joke about it on their last record you know like when are you going to have an emery song with cursing in it or whatever so yeah I mean, yeah it does seem to be this thing where i is this sounds so stupid is the christian art christian rock bands or christian rock fans like yourself that have been around for a long time are you do you think it's that big of a deal anymore or is it like we're all fucking grown we all say these things like who gives a shit if you put it in a song or not well i mean like is it a big deal unfortunately like it kind of is but i don't think it's as big of a deal now as it used to be so i i think because i mean when, when i was growing up and i and i predominantly listened to christian music uh especially heavier music it if a band said cuss word that in their album that meant that either they weren't a Christian band at all, and that we had all just misinterpreted their lyrics. Or, you know, it meant that they were trying to separate themselves from the Christian music scene. And that's a that's a quick, easy way to do it. But at the same time, you know, you've got bands. Uh, Demon Hunter's been known to use a curse word here and there. Uh, Norma Jean, as we talked about when we had Corey on. Uh, even P.O.D. Uh, and P.O.D. actually ended up self-editing their curse word out of their album i guess at the last minute because uh i guess they didn't want to lose sales but like i don't think anybody i don't think anybody out there in the christian rock world considers those bands not christian bands you know uh so i don't think it matters i don't think it matters from that perspective at all uh at least at least not to me uh i do think that if a band does it simply to separate themselves out um i think that that's kind of dumb you know, uh, the most recent example would be like Gideon, you know, who uh, went from having fairly evangelical lyrics um, and then they just went like straight Limp Bizkit uh, music, like lyrically. Uh, and actually, I and don't get me wrong, man, I, like that, uh, that, that Gideon record slams, you know, it's awesome. But uh, I think uh, I think it, it's really hard because even if you look at the Gideon stuff, there's nothing there's nothing in the in that album that that makes a definitive line in the sand that says I'm not a Christian anymore. 
there really isn't. There, there's not that song. You can look for it on the Gideon song. Really, you can look at it with Under Oath too. You really, there really isn't that song um, that says that. And I think with uh, with with these bands, you know, you almost have to get a little, almost no pun intended, more um, personal with the band members, which I think is stupid. I think we should just be enjoying music for what it is versus what we expect it to be. But at the same time, like. You know, it's a complicated issue. You know, you say like, oh, Undero's not a Christian band. Well, there are people in that band that still believe that, and there's maybe a couple that don't. And the one that maybe one of the ones that doesn't believe that anymore happens to be one of the singers. You know, so he's going to have an influence on the lyrical output. But, like, I don't consider Under Oath an anti-Christian band or uh, a lot of these bands. I think uh, I think it's like what you said, John. I think there's just a certain level of honesty that was applied at some point that was like, you know what? We're not going to just do things because we think it's going to make people happy. I mean, I've done it. I've done the evangelical Christian band thing. And um, there was a lot of band meetings where you'd write lyrics and they'd be like, yeah, but that's too negative or that's this or you need to take this out or, you know, um, and, you know, that, that sort of thing is frustrating. So I think to a certain extent, yeah, like being able to open up the gates of like hearing a Christian band that might have, you know, some profanity in their lyrics isn't as big of a shock to the system anymore. So it does kind of free those artists up to kind of, kind of, kind of have a more perfect vision of what they want to do versus having to go through all these filters in order to sell to a certain audience. It's a really long winded way of saying what you said, but yeah. Well, I think, you know, that was kind of the nice thing about when we talked to Corey about that was that, you know, like you had said then, and I think it, I think it's reiterated on the last under oath record. And, and I think, is the same way on this almost record too, where it's a thing where that word now has a little bit more weight to it because it's, it's not like, you know, being like, gosh, darn it. Or coming up with some other word. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, just a, a, a really impassioned fuck really drives the point home or whatever, you know, whatever the, the swear word may be, or the word that's deemed a, a curse word, because, uh, you know, it may not actually be a curse word. It could just be a word that people don't use. Well, yeah, and if you sub it out for a different word, it could it, it runs the line. It, it runs the risk of not sounding sincere. Absolutely. And and that's kind of the thing to me. And, you know, in listening to this new Almost record, I I felt that there was a, a an obvious shift uh I'm not saying that the first Almost record didn't come from a, a genuine place, but when you listen to both records from, you know, back to back, one feels like one artist kind of wrote it, and then this one kind of feels like somebody, I mean, it's been, what, I think it was 12 or 14 years between records or something like that, and it's like, it just feels like someone more grown up wrote this newer Almost record. Someone that now has gone through a lot of shit and isn't afraid to speak of the experiences that they've earned to talk about. Whereas I think the other one was a little bit more of a safer play was kind of, I don't want to say pandering, but it just felt like someone who it, it reminds me of being a young 20, something where you can fuck up and it, and it doesn't feel like the end of the world. And I'm not saying that when you fuck up, it's the end of the world, but there's just this like weightlessness of being young and being able to, to record in that kind of a mindset and make music in that, from that perspective and this newer almost record to me feels like something that came from an adult's perspective. Yeah, and I think that that still allows the original, you know, the the older the older material. I think that allows it to also be sincere in its own way. 
you know, I don't like to I don't like to say that like, oh, they're so much more mature now than they used to be, it, because whenever I say that, it sounds like a slight against the band. And it's not that I, I can enjoy an immature record from an immature perspective just as well as I can enjoy, you know, look at something like Glassjaw. You know, I can I can definitely appreciate, you know, an immature mindset going into a record. However, you know, I'm I'm older now and I've had I've had some kids. I've been married for a while and you know, my perspective has changed. So to hear an almost record that is still coming from the same perspective that I am, even though I've aged, it's aged with me. And uh so it allows it allows both things to be to be sincere for the time they were released. Yeah. Um you know, we'll kind of start wrapping up this episode. Um, tonight, uh, drinking something a little bit different. Uh, I know a lot of people are probably familiar with White Claws. Uh, earlier in the podcast, probably a good 60, 70 episodes ago, uh, I had found these newer drinks called Bravazzi's. I'm still on that tip. Uh, they're basically hard Italian sodas. Um, I went to go get the Clementina Bravazzi one day at one of my local watering holes, and the guy was like, I have something better than that, something better than than White Claws, because now, you know, High Noon is like, uh, it's vodka and fruit juice, uh, or real juice or something like that, Uh, that's pretty much what my wife drinks a lot of now, and so he was like, yo, you gotta try these Crook and Marker, and it's uh, basically a spiked and sparkling organic, uh, like, sparkling drink or whatever, Um, but I mean, they've got like quinoa in it and they're like gluten-free and vegan and non-gmo and all that kind of shit and the alcohol is organic um so i bought uh usually go and drink those when i'm at that bar and they've been finally releasing them so i bought a uh variety pack for the upcoming holiday to go hang out with uh, family members so I'm currently in drinking the uh coconut pineapple one it's very delicious um <laughs> And it's only like what I think eighty calories if you're into that whole thing and no sugars, you know. So if you want an alternative to uh, to White Claws or High Noons or whatever, and you can find this in your area, go ahead and go check them out. Um, pretty much every every flavor is pretty solid. So uh, different alternatives. So that way, if you uh, think most of the other lime or the uh, White Claw flavors other than lime are gross, like I do, uh, this is a nice alternative. I've been drinking something. I mean, it's a very slightly different than normal. I'm drinking an Elysian Dayglow IPA, which is uh, kind of like Space Dust, but a little bit more bitter. <laughs> I really know how else to how else to describe it. It's a little harder to drink, and uh, that's like an upgrade for me. So I, I enjoy it. I, like I said, I've got sinuses, and it's kind of helping me clean those out a little bit. As gross as that is. <laughs> um. But yeah, so uh, also as of when we're recording this, uh, shout out to Doc Coyle, the X-Man himself. Uh, you know, we talked about previously about how uh, a bunch of headlines are made with our episode with Doc. And uh, today he released his newest episode, and it was kind of uh, weird uh, to, <laughs> to hear him uh, basically shout us out um, and basically spend his whole intro talking about the... Uh, that about you know basically the headlines made from our episode and, and clarifying uh maybe some of the things that were misinterpreted from what he was saying and and all that kind of stuff and uh you know it's pretty pretty solid to uh for him to plug it because you know he most definitely could have just been like oh you guys might have seen me in the news and didn't even talk about where it came from or anything but uh shouted us out so uh major props to doc for that i'm still waiting for my god forbid reunion you know as he said you might have to keep waiting I probably will. I'm used to it. It's fine. <laughs> uh, all that aside, if you would like to keep up with uh, 
with Aaron in the almost simple enough uh, Facebook at the almost Instagram at the almost official and Twitter is at the almost if you would like to keep up with Aaron it's Aaron R Gillespie on Twitter and Instagram uh, go ahead and check him out. He's got an upcoming tour, uh, the almost tour coming up in the beginning of the year. Basically, he, as you heard him say, he's going to play uh, all of the first record in its entirety, interspersed with the new record. So I think it'll be really interesting to kind of see that. Hopefully, I'll be able to go check out uh, the Detroit date if it's not a blizzard. Um, but that was a lot of fun talking with Aaron. So thanks to him and thanks to Amy for setting that up uh, really sporadically for us. And uh, if you would like to keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them at MetalNexus.net, Facebook at Metal Nexus, Instagram at Metal.Nexus, Twitter at Metal underscore Nexus, and Dan will tell you where he can be found. I can be found on Facebook under Daniel Terry. I can be found on Twitter at DiscussMetalDan. I can be found on Gmail at DiscussMetalDan gmail.com. And you can find me and my 10,000 other podcasts at DiscussMetal.com. And if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, you can find us simply enough at Bruce Speak Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Check us out on YouTube at Brutally Speaking. Check us out on YouTube at Brutally Speaking. Uh, you can see some of the videos of these interviews where they are applicable. Uh, if you would like to support us monetarily, you can do such over at Patreon.com slash Bruce Speak Pod. If you would like to support us non-monetarily, it's simple enough. Rate, review, subscribe. Three simple words that you hear every podcast talk about. Uh, wherever you're listening to this on, I'm sure there is an option somewhere on the screen. If you look down at it to do such, it goes a long way. And if you would like to support our show sponsor, The Bean Bastard, you can go to TheBeanBastard.com, Facebook and Instagram at The Bean Bastard. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. And we will talk to you all next week. So I wanted to do a quick little add-on to this episode. I know it doesn't need to be any longer than it is, so I'll try to make this as quick as I can. Um, in editing this episode, putting it all together, um, I was in the final processes of you know editing everything, kind of chopping out a little bit, kind of making the intros and so forth a little bit tighter. Uh, in doing such and editing the actual interview with Aaron, I realized as he was kind of talking about the part about his kid and, and, and something about, you know, that whole thing that I was like, oh, maybe I should take that out because, you know, he makes the comment that he doesn't really talk about his kid in a whole lot of interviews because of some of the situations that he's been put in as a result of it. Um, so I reached out to him and I was like, yo, uh, do you want this in? If you want it out, it's not a big deal. I'd rather take it out now than have you be worried about it or be like, yo, I kind of wish you would have taken that out. Shit like that has happened on this podcast before, but... Uh, what I ended up doing too was just kind of being like, yo, I'm kind of interested to see how this episode does because it's not a quote unquote normal kind of an episode. You know, I think the thing that I didn't realize has been a, an underlying issue for a little bit is that one star review for as much as Dan and I joke about it. I think it's pretty obvious uh, in dealing with this that it still it still has resonated with me. I make I made fun of it for how absurd it was. But I realized even though we have so many interviews and comments and positive feedback from all of you listening to this going, man, I love how you, you kind of went off the beaten path or I love how it felt like, you know, you two felt like, you know, like you guys have been long friends and so forth. And I think I, I realized part of my issue is that Aaron, Underoath, almost the, the collective things that Aaron is a part of uh, separately and, and to, as a whole are so overwhelming kind of as far as like what they mean to so many people. Um, I think I realized I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself for this one like I did for Spencer from Periphery. Periphery means so much to so many people that I feel like I, I just don't want to let anyone down. And it's something that I need to work on. And in 
texting with Aaron. He's like, dude, it's, it seems like you're not stoked on this. So just fucking shelve it. Like, you know, like it's not a big deal. And I realized it made me start wondering, like, do I do this in my life, in my personal relationships? Do I let the fear of self doubt and things that one person says that affects me affect the rest of my relationships? Um, so what I wanted to do with this, because inevitably I will go back and listen to this episode, it, uh, I overthink and I overanalyze a lot of things in my personal life. And in dealing with Aaron leading up to this episode coming out, I think, you know, as I sat there, you know, texting with him and, you know, he's just like, dude, just, it, it, just be, don't put it up, let it be done and, and be over. I realized, like I said, that I, I wonder if I do that in my personal life and if it causes more issues because I don't have self self-worth I guess for lack of a better term so I want this to be a learning experience for people who may be listening and like I said for myself that you need to not let negative things bother you like if you can fix the thing and and just move on then use it as a learning tool but don't wallow in it because all that ends up doing is seeping its way into other aspects of your your life and your relationships and it's something I definitely need to get better at i don't know the more we do this the more dan and i do this you need to have thicker skin i think you know a lot of the guests we have on they always fucking say like i don't read the comments and if i fucking cared about what people said then you know like it would cripple me from making the things that we do for our lives and the great records that have been made and i'm not saying that we're making great records or we're making great content or whatever but i need to i and maybe Dan as well, need to have more self-awareness that we need to not let things bother us to the point of affecting other things and other aspects of our life. And it's so fresh because that text exchange just happened between Aaron and I, and I realized that instead of trying to fix the problem or my perception of a problem to make someone happy and to, to make them be okay, that I just need to like stop, think about things for a minute, and realize what the greater takeaway from this could be um in the event that anyone is listening to this this far into the episode because it's a long episode and i'm sorry but don't let negative shit bother you to the point of it affecting other parts of your life that's something i definitely need to work on it's something i'm going to work on and uh, i think from this point forward i really need to just know that what we're doing over here is good and <laughs> i need to not let one shit comment disrupt all the positive vibes being sent to this show from all of you who comment on things and so forth but it's it's just something i you know has been ruminating in my head for the last 15 20 minutes and you know as i'm wrapping up my editing i just need to uh be more positive in my approach to things and i need to not let things bother me um, so thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, if you don't like it, honestly, fuck you. I don't, I don't care. I really thoroughly enjoyed myself. I'm just bummed that basically I let someone's negative comments affect, uh, something that I was really stoked on. And at the end of the day, that's not cool. And, and we need to really not tolerate that anymore. So thank you to Aaron in spite of <laughs> how you may have perceived this initially. I, I didn't hate this. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Um, and I'm appreciative of the time you took and the openness uh, of the things that you did actually say on the show. I think it was really awesome. And to Dan, I'm sorry that I added this extra thing for another fucking five minutes or so um, talking, but this is something that I needed to, to get off my chest and to be a constant reminder to be better. 
So for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John, and we'll talk to you all next week.